Hey there, and welcome to episode 27 of IoT This Week, where you can catch up on the latest from IoT, InfoSec, and technology. So today we have, among other things, hacking industrial robots, Intel's AMT is a mess, the U.S. Department of Justice investigates Uber, servers mining cryptocurrency, and much more. So let's get started. All right, so a couple of things to note on the podcast. So in addition to the podcast being available on iTunes and Google Play, I've also made it available on Stitcher and TuneIn. And I had an interesting note from one of the listeners this week um, via Twitter that the podcast wasn't coming up when they tried to you know, request the podcast um, to play on an Amazon-like Echo device. So it turns out it's the way that um, um, the Echo's interpreting IoT. Um, so actually, if you've been trying to listen to um, the podcast on Amazon Echo, which uses TuneIn, um, I was able to get it to work by requesting the podcast as Internet of Things This Week podcast instead of requesting IoT This Week podcast. So something uh, pretty interesting, um, trying to request the podcast through a um, Amazon Echo device. So, uh, yeah, thanks to the listener for letting me know on that. All right, so first up under IoT, we have um, TrendNet, sorry, Trend Micro Researchers. They found 80,000 industrial robots exposed to the Internet. And what they did, um, they actually did a proof of concept attack against a ABB Robotics IRB140 industrial robot. And um, the proof of concept exploits or does an exploit um, for remote code vulnerability in the controller software. So in this instance, the robot was given a modified configuration file, which changed its parameters for what it thought was um, a straight line. So you can see where that would be a rather large issue if the uh, industrial robot um, doesn't really know what a straight line is anymore because somebody has remotely modified its configurations file. So yeah, interesting that um, there's even industrial robots exposed to the internet in the first place. Um, don't really see any reason why that would need to be. Um, but anyway, Trend Micro found about 80,000 of those out on the internet. And then we have the company called EveryNet, which they are putting in place um, some new over-the-air IoT update mechanisms. So the um, new update capabilities, they'll be available on the LPWA networks. And at the moment, I forget what that stands for. Um, but anyway, it'll, it will allow manufacturers, operators, and users to more easily update those devices. So that's really fantastic news since um, frequent updates or even available updates for IoT devices are lacking at the moment, um, which... Obviously, when vulnerabilities are found, if there's not any up, if the updates don't happen in a timely manner to fix vulnerabilities, then obviously that's, that's a problem. So the new patent pen, pending technologies it forces the compiler to come up with the minimum difference between the old firmware version and the new one, and then that difference, um, along with a new patent pending compression algorithm is the only thing that's sent to the, to the device for updating purposes. 
So that's interesting in, in that instead of sending a completely new firmware package, which probably has lots of files or, or other things in there that really haven't changed, it only sends what has changed. And, and it is, is done by using um, a new compression algorithm, um, I guess it's proprietary from Evernet, um, which greatly reduces, obviously greatly reduces the amount of data that's sent. Since a lot of these devices, you know, trying to send um, large amounts of data, like firmware updates and that sort of thing, can it uh, eats up their limited bandwidth. Um, it also eats up their power um, if they're strictly on battery and that sort of thing. So, yeah, something pretty cool from uh, Evernet um, in regards to LPWA IoT networks. And then some news from our friends at Microsoft. They've apparently come up with a new approach. Um, at least the way they see it, a new approach to securing IoT devices called Project Sopris. So the project looks to deliver um, both secure hardware and secure communication channels. And what they essentially want to do is bring some of the lessons learned and some of the things that are already in place for trusted computing models, which are used in Windows, and bring that to IoT devices. And as part of this Project Sopris, they've issued hardware to about 150 security folks. And the, these 150 security folks have sp specific bug bounties in place that they need to um, look for and report back to Microsoft. So pretty cool. Um, we'll see how that project goes. Um, but it's also really cool that they've actually involved security folks to uh, look for issues with this particular project find security vulnerabilities and report these back before they actually um, release the project um, to the public. And then for those folks who are into um, building IoT devices or they work for someone who manufactures I IoT devices, there is a new IoT processor called GAP8, which is put out by GreenWave Technologies. And the processor is meant to be extremely power efficient for use in battery powered um, sensors that are data rich um, for analytics and software defined radio. So yeah, something pretty interesting um, from GreenWave Technologies. And by the way, the details for this processor are actually in the uh, newsletter. So be sure to um, sign up for that newsletter that comes out every week. Um, and then that'll have all the, the links to these particular articles where you can find all the details of this. All right, so Amazon and Connexent, they created a development kit for third-party manufacturers looking to build Alexa into their devices. Um, so that's pretty cool um, that they've made this available so that if you want to build a device, um, you can put some of uh, Alexa's capabilities into that device. Um, Amazon, the, especially with the Echo devices, they do a great job with the uh, multiple microphones and picking up you know things you say um, while there's all, all this background noise going on and so forth. So, um, yeah, so that'll be great. Um, like I said, if you're building a device, IOT device, and you want to include some Alexa functionality into it. And then we also have a interesting story on hackaday.io. Like I've mentioned this site, um, numerous times in the podcast, there's lots of interesting articles on there. So if you're interested in, in uh, building IOT devices or, 
or beating up on them from a security standpoint, um, then definitely take a look at hackaday.io. But anyway, the story involves a person who wanted to install a reversing camera, and they wanted to install this camera in an old Peugeot 207. So I have no idea how old that is or even what the Peugeot is. Um, I mean, I know it's a car, but um, you don't really see a lot of those in the U.S. Um, but as part of trying to reverse, uh, put in the install the reversing camera, they actually ended up in revert, reverse engineering the whole CAN bus. So if you're into uh, car hacking, then obviously the CAN bus is an important part of that. Um, so definitely take a look. And again, take a look at the, um, you know, if you sign up for the newsletter, the links in there to this de the um, story on hackaday.io. Um, but the person doing this um, put some really detailed information in the blog post um, as far as what they did in reverse engineering the CAN bus on this particular uh, model of Peugeot. And then last but not least, under IoT, um, something we don't usually see a lot of um, or stories come out of or coming from is Disney Research. And actually, if they could get this to work, this is actually pretty cool. So they devised an ultra-low power system of sensors um, that's able to transmit data to a central receiver by reflecting the ambient radio waves from commercial broadcasting systems that already cover most office environments. So they're essentially able to have these sensors communicate um, by reflecting um, signals off the radio waves and stuff that are already in the air anyway, instead of having to transmit um, new radio waves in addition to what all, all the background um, noise that's already there. And since they're able to do that, it actually cuts back on power uh, and that sort of thing and makes it, uh, like I said, it makes it um, very efficient for transmitting and not sucking up a lot of power on the devices. So anyway, something really cool as far as um, a new way to transmit data by Disney research. So definitely um, have a read for that article. All right. So on to the security portion of the podcast. So if you're a Mac user and you use the very popular video transcoder called Handbrake, um, apparently the site itself, I guess, was hacked and a malicious version of Handbrake was uploaded to the site and made available for users looking to um, download whatever the latest version of Handbrake. So this apparently happened between May 2nd and May 6th. So if you happen to have downloaded Handbrake during this time, um, for sure, go back to the site, check out what you need to do as far as getting the correct version that doesn't contain malware. And if you do have the malware, it actually has instructions to check to see if you have the malware and what to do to remove it. And I'm sure most of you have seen the stories involving Intel's um, AMT, AMT toolkit. Um, you know, the issues just continue to keep coming. Um, the latest thing is that uh, that attackers are able to access the login page, um, assuming this is the Intel stuff is exposed to the internet, which I have no idea why it would need to be in, in exposed to the internet. I mean, I guess it's meant to be remote management, um, but why you'd want to put that remote management on the inter internet is beyond me. Um, but apparently they've discovered that attackers can access the login page by simply sending a empty login stream. So that's not good. And if you go out on Shodan, um, there's actually thousands or currently thousands of hosts on the internet exposing um, this particular login page to 
the uh, AMT toolkit. And it's exposed via port 16992. And I thought it was only that port, but um, the story I read, it actually notes 16993 as well. So definitely, um, you know, if you have enterprise servers, um, I mean, for one, make sure they're not exposed to the internet, but definitely, you know, um, have a look at the AMT. If you're running AMT, um, you know, get with your particular server provider and get a patch for that. And speaking of patches, Intel is actually releasing a patch this week to fix the issues with AMT. So I don't know if it's, my guess is a patch won't be coming directly from Intel, but it'll, but if you've got like HP servers or Dell servers or whatever, it'll probably be coming from them as far as what you need to do. Um, so definitely um, keep the lookout for that. And then uh, ransomware. So the average ransomware demand apparently is now over $1,000, according to Symantec. Um, so some other estimates um, from Symantec, they put total ransomware revenues at over $1 billion last year. Um, so actually, I didn't realize it would, it was that high, and they made that with uh, ransomware um, distributors that made that much money off of it. And then another a couple other interesting statistics that came out of that. 34% um, of people paid the ransom globally. Um, but in the U.S., um, the percentage of people paying ransom is actually 64%. So, what, almost double in the U.S.? Double the people in the U.S. are paying the ransom as opposed to globally. So, pretty interesting. And then if you run WordPress, or if you have a blog site running on WordPress or whatever, there's a WordPress flaw that's currently out there um, that allows attackers to reset the admin password. Um and the flaw affects all versions of WordPress. And I don't, at this, as far as, at least um, at the time I'm making this podcast, I don't think there's still not a fix for it. Um, but it, the vulnerability involves the password reset email. And I guess it's been reported to, it's been reported to WordPress on multiple occasions, um, going all the way back to July 2016. Um, but if you have a look at the link in the newsletter, um, there's about three different scenarios that this could happen. And like I said, it involves the password um, reset email. So definitely have a look at that if you are running um, WordPress. And then um, the next story from Threat Metrics. Um, and this came out of their Q1 cybercrime report. Um, so apparently Europe spews out 50% more cybercrime attacks than the US. And most of the attacks from Europe um, come from uh, UK and Germany. Um, so yeah, that's pretty interesting. And Shodan released a new tool called Malware Hunter. So if you haven't had a look at this, um, definitely take a look at this thing. It's pretty cool. It's a tool for identifying devices on the internet that are serving as command and control um, for remote access trojan, Trojans or rats. Um, and I think they put it together. Yeah, the they partnered with partnered with uh, Recorded Future um, to put this particular product out. Product out. Um, it's I think it's been a couple years in the making, and um, actually the Recorded Future, the company that um, Shodan partnered with, um, they actually also have an interesting threat intelligence report that's out as well. And I've made that available on the um, IoT This Week um, website page. And then Google Docs. So you've probably seen this as well. This one's been in the news. Um, so there's a rapidly spreading um, phishing scheme um, involving Google Docs. So 
really the best thing to do if you receive um, an email from a person that's trying to share a um, document to you on Google Docs, then really what you want to do is just simply delete that email and definitely don't click on it. All right. Um, next up, we've got a Florida state court has ruled that two people facing extortion, extortion charges do not have constitutional protection against being forced to hand over their phone un unlock codes. So obviously this is different. There's been rulings in the past where um, someone can be forced to unlock their phone using their thumbprint or fingerprint, whatever they've used to, um, or whatever they've a particular assigned to a phone. Um, they have to, um, they're required to use their thumbprint to unlock the phone. But in the past, it hasn't been, they basically said that the unlock codes are something that's in your head. So you haven't been required to give that up. But now a Florida state court is trying to, I guess, change that. Um, there may be different reasoning. Maybe there's a different reason behind why they're saying this. But like I said, in the past, this has been something that you didn't have to give up your unlock codes. So it's a little worrisome now that if you got to give up fingerprints already, now you got to give up phone unlock, unlock codes. So it's getting to the point now where basically the government's trying to say that they can see whatever they want to, whether it's in your phone or in your head or whatever. So yeah, this will be one to watch and see how this goes. My guess is it'll probably, I'm sure it'll be appealed. Um, whether it'll get appealed all the way up to the Supreme court so they can make a ruling on it or not. Um, I don't know. It'd be kind of cool if they did just to put this kind of, kind of the rest and, um, give users of modern, uh, mobile devices, phones specifically, um, giving them a little bit of peace of mind, knowing that, uh, you know, somebody can't, somebody in law enforcement, whatever, can't just come up and demand that they unlock their phone and they have to comply no matter what. And then last story under security involves a data breach. So 135 million Indian government payment card details were leaked. So the breach happened, uh, or the breach involved a project called Adhar, A-A-D-H-A-A-R. So the breach didn't come from the project itself, but apparently it came from government agencies leaking um, Adhar and related data they had collected for their own purposes. So, so just a case of, you know, the, a particular data um, project not being breached itself, but data coming out of that project being leaked out from uh, people actually using that project. So, you know, it's always a good thing to make sure not only is the project itself it's secure, but the people who are pulling data from that particular project have a good sense um, and, and what they need to do to secure that data from their end as well. And then on to the technology portion of the podcast. So Citigroup analyst, they've listed seven companies as that are potential takeover targets for Apple. So Apple has, I don't know, somewhere around a quarter trillion dollars worth of cash sitting around. So the analysts from Citicorp, um, they come up, came up, came up with seven companies that they, uh, Apple should, um, look at taking over. So three of those seven were, are Netflix, Disney, and Tesla. So whether Apple will actually take over any of these particular companies or not, I don't know. It'd be pretty interesting. I don't know. Out of the three, I'd, I could see them maybe wanting Netflix for whatever reason, um, just to have a streaming company, content company in their pocket. Um, I don't really see them taking over Disney since Disney and them partner on quite a bit of stuff. 
Um, and Tesla, I don't know. That seems like kind of a reach. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, Citigroup just trying to figure out uh, how to help Apple spend some of their cash, apparently. Um, then another story from Apple. Um, they were named the world's largest wearable vendor. And they had an estimated 3.5 million Apple Watch shipments in Q1 2017. And they were actually able to overtake Fitbit in shipments during Q1 as well. So interesting that... Um, actually, to be honest, I didn't realize the Apple Watch was still selling that well. Um, I kind of... With mine, I'm kind of off and on, um, hot, cold, whether I really like it or not. Um, sometimes I wear it, sometimes I don't. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, Apple world's largest wearable vendor and then yet another again uh, yet another story about apple so i think this was something i mentioned in a past podcast qualcomm and apple are in a, are, are in a big patent war at the moment um and qualcomm is actually looking to block u.s imports for iphones um as part of this uh, patent war with them and then something that occurred to me while i was reading a story about the um one of the ice shelves in Antarctica about to break off and why people wouldn't be mining the icebergs that are breaking off for freshwater, especially for areas like in the desert and so forth that um, are always under or always have water shortages and stuff. So as I was reading it, then uh, I think the next day, then I read a story about the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, um, where they're actually looking to start a project for dragging an iceberg from Antarctica um, to help solve some of their water, water shortages. So um, according to some of the couple things I read, like an average iceberg contains more than 20 billion gallons of fresh water, um, which is pretty amazing. Um, and I think one of the other things I read was 20 billion gallons is enough to provide um, a million people um, fresh water for like five years. Um but I'm sure the technology involved um, this particular project will pretty, be pretty interesting and in how they actually drag this thing all the way from Antarctica or if they're going to, you know, try to somehow mine it and maybe ship it in big, instead of oil tankers, big super tankers that are uh, transmitting oil, maybe these super tankers will transmit fresh water instead. But anyway, the project, this particular project begins in uh, 2018. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting to see how this goes. Um, then next up, the U.S. Department of Justice is investigating Uber's Grayball program. And if you don't remember what the Grayball program is, it was basically a program that helped um, Uber sidestep law enforcement officials and regulators. So anyway, the um, DOJ is investigating them. So just with, uh, more, more um, trials and tribulations for Uber. And then last up, Square is inviting users to sign up for its debit card. Um, but the, diff the thing with this debit card is that it's not actually linked to your bank account, um, but it's only linked to your Square Cash app. Um, so I guess in the end, that kind of makes it a little safer that it's not connected directly to your bank account. Um, but again, something I just along the lines of something I mentioned in a past, past podcast, really, I think the uh, debit card, plastic, paying with plastic, um, chip and pin, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think it's all kind of, it's all broken at this point and just needs to go away um, in, a, in, in lieu of um, solutions out there like Apple Pay and that sort of thing. And then under the miscellaneous section, 
Um, looks like there's something I mentioned, alluded to at the beginning of the podcast. Um, it was discovered that thousands of hacked servers are, are found to be mining cryptocurrencies. Um, I've mentioned stories where there's been IoT malware that um, once infected the IoT device can start uh, mining like Bitcoin and so forth. Um, but since the processing power of IoT devices is so low, I can't imagine. I mean, you'd have to, well, if they had a million of them, they might be able to get, I'm sure that would be more um, more efficient than probably make it worth it as far as spreading malware that does that um, in regards to IoT devices. Um, but in IoT devices, since the, the processing power is so low, I can't imagine it be individual devices aren't really going to uh, be mining that much um, as far as like Bitcoin and, that so, and so forth. Um but um, I think servers servers is a different story depending on the processing power of individual servers. Um, I mean, servers are obviously a lot beefier than uh, IoT devices. So if uh, malware is um, become installed on these servers and obviously mining cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Litecoin, whatever it might be, um, is a lot more advantageous and uh, worthwhile. And then... Um, we have some malware that's attacking or targeting Max um, Snake malware, and it's um, installed via a Adobe Flash, a fake Adobe Flash player installer. Um, definitely stay away from. Well, there's multiple reasons to stay away from Adobe Adobe Flash, but uh, this is just another good one to a uh, good reason to stay away from it, since um, there's elf, there's fake installers out there spreading malware. Um, Microsoft is testing a malware-proof Edge browser. Um, not sure how they're going to do that, um, but that will be rather interesting if they can pull that off. Um, most American households have abandoned their landlines in um, so that they can use mobile devices instead of their landlines. Um, actually, personally, I haven't had a landline, and I can't even remember the last time I had a landline um, at my house. Um, another tool has been leaked from the Vault 7 series, and this particular tool is called Archimedes, and it's reportedly used to attack computers inside the LAN. Um, so that's interesting. And then um, something else I'd mentioned in the last podcast, um, there was another piece of Apple malware or malware that was ta- uh, targeting Apple Macs, um, and that particular piece of malware was actually using a legit Apple ID insert. Um, but at this point, um, at least for this particular malware, Apple has actually revoked, revoked that certificate. Um, so this particular malware should not work anymore. All right. So that is the podcast for this week. Um, questions, comments, I can be reached at CraigZ28 on Twitter. Um, you can also email me at podcast at iotthisweek.com. Um, but other than that, that's it. Um, hope you enjoyed it and have a great day.